Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Father John. So here we are, Joe Doman, back from Philly. I'm back from Philly, back from Mexico. I was there for six weeks, and I learned some Spanish. I didn't learn all of Spanish, but I learned a lot. I can preach in Spanish now. That's impressive. I have to write it all out, like word for word, and it's probably super boring, and I don't know if I understand everything I'm saying, but I can do it. And you're going to have to learn to do it, because John just started a new parish assignment in Saudi Aurora, Colorado. They, they, yes, they, and they know this because we Man, talked about it. That's right. Oh, Obedience. We heard about this. So. Oh, that's right. But you, you, you've been there for a week and a half now. Been there for a week and a half and trying to get settled. And uh, I, um, my German desire for order and everything does not do well with, like, change, change is fine, but disorder is completely unacceptable. <laughs> not having everything in its right place. Completely it's, unacceptable. It's, it's, it, and it's, I'm talking about personally here. And so, and so everything's in disarray. So, so here we are, and actually, Welcome that's, that's a good tie into the podcast. I I know your life, <laughs> I know your life too well, too intimately. But this is part of the reason that's why, why God gave you to me was so I would, uh, you know, that's right, patience, and so I would have order in my life. That's mm-hmm. why I'm John Apple, and that's part of the reason I think why we haven't been publishing a podcast. It's been about a month now, which has been. We've had like a long stretch of pretty consistent, but uh, apology to all the listeners. Our bad. It's our bad. John has a new parish. I was in Mexico. I don't even know what Nathan's we doing. We don't know what Goebel does, but uh, <laughs> he wasn't available in the month of June. No, we. Uh, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give it our college try to get back into a routine. <laughs> Summers are always crazy. You should if you're a listener uh, consistently, you know every summer we basically every fall summer off the it's like and we're everyone's just like so is busy. the podcast over and like eh, it's always on the yeah, brink of death, right? But I think a lot of people are about ten podcast behind usually and oh. they go on like a road trip and they splurt out so that's what go. people tell me so so what are we doing what are we talking about well let me ask Man you a question order. first this is a dangerous question to begin the podcast with okay um, this is not an i like to ask global completely incomprehensible theological questions but that's not what this is it, this is a uh this is a moment of hum- i want you to humiliate me here but and lead me to the to the topic but if you were going to say father john neppel Sucks at one virtue. I know you got to narrow it down. Which one would it be? Let's see if you can read my mind on this one. I don't want to offend you. Go ahead, do it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm setting you up to offend me publicly. Sucks at one virtue. At one of of all of them, like, but the one that's the worst. Patience. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's today's topic. Oh, great. Good work. Thanks. Yeah, this topic is on patience, and the reason it's on patience is because. I was driving down from the mountains. I was camping last night with my brother and uh, John Minto and Mike Hombo. And you know Mike. And Minto keeps getting shout-outs, but uh, he doesn't deserve them. Steve and I are whooping up on him in Euchre. And I'm driving down, and I'm all flustered and angry and whatever, desolate. Mm-hmm. Right? Discernment of spirits. What's going on? Okay. Then I talk to you, and you're like, do you have a topic? And I'm like, I have nothing. More desolation. And uh, and then I started thinking. I was like, what is God saying in my life? Like, and I realized he's like screaming something and he's screaming about patience. And there's several quotes and I'm just going to kind of walk you through the last month of, of really profound quotes that have jumped out of me about patience. Hmm. Um, and uh, they're just amazing and they're worth kind of reflecting on. And then we'll give a, a good little treatment of St. Thomas Aquinas to just root us back in the tradition. All right. Sound good? Let's do it. Riveting. So I showed up at Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Aurora, Colorado on July 1, eight days ago. And... Um, Within four days, I had determined that I had the answer to a floundering youth group 
and we're flying life team mass. And my pastor goes, okay, why don't you give me a proposal? This is four, This is day four. Okay? My <laughs> office isn't even set up. And I sent him this three-page proposal. And uh, I was all jacked. I was like, this is it. This is what we do. Discipleship, blah, 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 all this different stuff. Right? This is going to be amazing. Give me six months. I know everything about everything. It's right. going to be fantastic. Right? <laughs> and uh, he totally was like, this is not the time for this. This is an amazing proposal, but this is not the time. And he said to me, True change is slow change. And I hate that phrase because it's so true. Yeah. That phrase I first heard from Father Jeff Heward, who's a companion up in Minnesota. And that's like mm. one of his mantras. Like, true change is slow change. You want to just come into a parish and just... I've never heard that before. You know, just start tearing things up and doing different things. And it's not like bad things. I just want to say, what's the, what's the worst thing? And let's bring urgency to that. And let's get a youth program going here before the end of August so we don't waste this year, you know, yeah. floundering. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Urgency. Yes. Day four. Okay. Day <laughs> four. And I realized that. Oh. And then the other thing I realized was I've been waiting years for this Gregor Allen Isaacoff album to come out, oh which gosh. came out on Tuesday. Did yeah. you buy it? No. What is wrong with you? Um, I don't know. Maybe I don't like him that much. I went to a concert with you and him, and I, I don't know. It just didn't right. do it for me. Anyway. Officially, I'm removing you from my phone book. This is, uh, he's great, yes. Um, and he has a new are, are album. You, it's great. Are you being serious? I you, don't you, really, I have one album. I don't like it that much. Okay, which, kill me. Okay, we're not going to talk about this anymore. We're not going <laughs> to do this in front of the family, okay, in front of the kids. Um Okay, but anyways. Brian Larkin, Father Brian Larkin has the album, and he seems to like it a lot. <laughs> oh, stop it. Don't, don't do this to me. Now, so the you're point, in good company. The point of this is to say – I already let you humiliate me <laughs> once. I set you up to that. I don't need multiple. The point of that is that I've been waiting uh, years for a new album from Isaacoff, and it was like killing me the days mm-hmm. leading up to it. And it came out on Tuesday, and it's amazing. It's called The Weatherman, and despite Joe Doman, who hates because haters hate – buy it okay it's All right. amazing <laughs> and i realized like i am ridiculously ridiculously impatient yeah i would okay? agree with that yeah i want i'm waiting for a head and heart album man oh yeah yeah that's that's, that's kind of what i it care. will be good <laughs> that's what i care about that's good but yeah gregor and Al- uh, uh, alan isaacoff uh, my brother calls him I- ivan isaacoff he was searching on itunes so anyways uh, check that out but that's not the point the point is that those two things making me insanely restless and anxious because i'm so unbelievably impatient yeah Okay? Mm-hmm. So go back to Switzerland, right? They already know about the Switzerland pilgrimage and the whole bit, right? Well, I mean, yes. We talked about all these things before they happened. We did. So that happened, and it was amazing. And uh, now I'm back. And I'm in, like, <laughs> post-pilgrimage right. withdrawal. Anybody who's taken an amazing trip or pilgrimage or something like that, you know, it's like life just is, like, kind of gray and miserable uh, for the several weeks that follow. Mm-hmm. That's what post-Switzerland's like. So, but Garansky, yeah, Father Garansky, who we always talk about, um gave this Balthazar quote um, on the trip, and it was like, knife into the chest. So check this out. This is where we're going to start. This is just a, a little fragment of a longer quote that he quoted. I don't know where this is from. Patience is the basic constituent of Christianity, more central to the Christian life than even humility. Whoa. The basic constituent. What does constituency mean? Like... So the thing that makes it, constitutes, yeah. It, yeah, makes it up. It's what makes it stand. Mm-hmm. It, it, it constitutes. What constitutes you as a Christian? Patience, even more than humility, according to Balthazar. Really? Right. Because patience comes from what? Patior. Patior, to suffer. To suffer, right? So at the essence of Christianity is the cross. And mm-hmm. so the call to patience is the call to suffering. So that's what makes it so central in the mind of Balthazar. You're going to see for Thomas in a second, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. But he says, patience is the virtue that lies beyond heroism. Right, for the heart of all sin is impatience. 
Wow. Whoa is right, right? The heart of all sin is impatience. The heart of all sin is impatience. Unpack that one for me. Okay, so basically I have no idea what he's saying, but it's amazing. I, I think what he's saying is that patience is the virtue that lies beyond heroism. We think of virtue. Think of like Greece, right? And uh, kind of the Titans or these great kind of um, Stoic thinkers, they they just have this unbelievable virtue and they're heroic. Mm-hmm. But what Christ exemplifies is something, it's rooted in suffering, it's a patience mm. to allow the Father's will to happen in obedience that is radically different than the kind of great, excuse me, the great Hellenistic figures who were just absolutely heroic in their virtue. Ooh. So he's saying that Christian patience transcends virtue. Transcends. It transcends heroism because it's not just about me being amazingly virtuous, but it's, again, something that's deeper than that. Now, this is him meditating on the event of Christ and the relationship of patience and obedience, right, and God's providence. Mm. Crazy. But you think about if you think about virtue, it's about everything is ordered, everything is with self-mastery. Then you take it to the next level, right? The hero is the one who has his life dialed in. He's Chris Lebsock, right? He, our friend Chris <laughs> Lebsock. You know Chris. He's a hero, right? right. He's bald. He's beautiful. He's strong. Everything, right? He's the hero. But patience, <laughs> just go with it. I'm going. Patience is uh, is something that transcends that, right? The mm. heroic is doing something deeper when you start to throw your life into God's providence and trust that being assigned to Aurora, Colorado, or being sent to Mexico, or all these different things mm. are actually at work in a deeper way. Patience, it makes sense because... Patience implies, I mean, what you said, patience, waiting for God's will to unfold. Um, and it, I'm just thinking about my spiritual life, which I feel like is like 90% of the time feels like it's in shambles. Right. 100% of the time probably is. Um, but um, so much of it, every time I encounter vice or weakness in myself, uh, as I process it and work through it all, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? Whatever. It all comes down to, in the end, is just patience. Like, right. I'm waiting for God to make me a saint. And I'm really frustrated when I realize I'm not one. Right. And um, and it's not just with our own interior. I mean, with my own interior life. It's also with things unfolding in the world around us too. Like, all right, God, when are you going to convert this person, or when are you going to change our culture? When are we going to start to see the fruits of our pastoral work? Right. Um, that was a, it, that was a segue for next week. <laughs> hey. Hey. Um, but it's all about instead of saying, okay, I I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do this. I'm going to. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to save the companions. I'm going to save my own soul. Right. And really, in the end, it's like, actually, you're going to fall on your face and you're going to fail. Right. Uh, what you need is patience because God's going to do those things and you need to surrender. And um, I, yeah. But patience is a kind of at the heart uh, of everything. It's I, I just, when you said, the more you, I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I keep coming back to this. I mean, there's something with surrender and patience, but patience in suffering. Exactly. And that's, that's what Balthazar is saying is that patience is also the way of suffering so that one surrenders. Does that make sense? It's by patience that you learn surrender. Hmm. By being patient with everything that's happening in your life. That doesn't make sense when your prayer life's in shambles. Mine's in shambles, just like yours. All these different things, right? Right. Um, but 
surrender is the essence of the Christian life because it's Mary's fiat. It's allowing God. It's receptivity. It's the exact opposite of everything we want to do. Hmm. It's the exact opposite of showing up at your new parish and saying, okay, here's my three-page proposal that will solve all the answers to everything that's happened in this parish for the last 40 years. <laughs> and I intuited all this right. in four days. Okay, <laughs> I love that. I'm a hero. That's like a perfect anecdote for your life. It is. It's so ridiculous. And fortunately, my pastor, Father Felix, who is more choleric and more intense than I am. Hmm. Oh, like, it puts me to shame. But he said he just challenged me straight up. He said, "You need patience in your life." That's a real pastor. Yeah, right I was like, <laughs> so patience teaches us surrender because ta- by patience we suffer. Right? That's both mm. It's beyond heroism and the fact that the heart of all sin is in self some impatience, some right. grasping for control, grasping of my for something life. when when the you look to the Lord. Yeah, sweet, huh? I love it. Next quote. Give me more. Next quote. So this happened. So that was actually the second quote. The first one was from Father Felix. True change is slow change. I hate that. The Catholic Church is a mess. And the fact that we have to have slow change, (laughs) this is the way we've always done things. I don't think there's a phrase I hate more than that. We've always done it this way. You know, we're not going to change that. Well, maybe the way we've always done it is not a good way, right? Right. So this notion of true change being slow change, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's killing me. Shappy, so. Shappy told me that he got that so much when he moved to Philadelphia. Yeah. Like, oh, this is the way we do it here. Yeah. He's like, well, this doesn't work. Right. And there are certain things you just have to just do. There are yeah. certain changes that just have to happen. But authentic, deep renewal mm-hmm. of the parish is not going to happen on my fourth day. I hate to say that. So anyways, that was, the, that was the first quote. The second quote was, patience is the basic constituent of Christianity by von Balthasar. Third quote. Here we go. This is a little longer. This came in an email from Steph Dunbar a couple days ago. Go on. She didn't know she was, like, speaking into my soul, but I read this quote. It's from Catherine Doherty. Remember Stranach Girl? Stranach Girl. Right? (laughs) Stranach is – this is actually from the book Stranach. So she says, you preach the gospel with your life, person to person, to anyone at any time. There is no rush. The person who comes from the void of God is never rushed. Whoa, that's crazy. The person who comes from the void of God is never rushed. Hmm. For he bears within himself not only the image of God, but the seal of God's peace, which surpasses all understanding. Hmm. Right? You preach the gospel with your life, person to person, to anyone, anytime. Right? It's so, so, what she's saying here is so different than our kind of American desire for success and efficiency, and I got to be in my office and I got to be producing for Jesus. It's just, you live your life, you walk around, you encounter people. You love and you bring in and you evangelize with your life, mm-hmm. right? There is no rush. Right. And I think what's happening is that the new evangelization brought this urgency, right? And we're all about the new evangelization. Mm-hmm. But in the wisdom of Mumford and Sons, there's a urgency, difference between urgency and haste. and haste, right? I will love with I urgency, about that, but not with, with haste. haste. And this kind of rushing around, this hastiness, which I also was thinking haste is, uh, Tolkien is always condemning that in The Hobbits, right, for their youth hasty hmm. their hastiness and uh, there's something about that youthfulness when we get urgent we get hasty and we get foolish and reckless you sound like an ant i know <laughs> and so that's that's part of it is like this rushing around is is not rooted in an authentic urgency of love it's rooted in um kind of a self-absorbed desire to be important hmm. to just i gotta make my change i gotta leave my mark on saint on queen of peace right now day four bam let's do this right Mm-hmm. There's there's a movement there, and some of us are blessed with more urgency than others. Eh? Yeah, that is for sure. That is for sure, right? They're called cholerics. Yes, and uh, some who don't have that are never forced with this. You're not a hasty person. You don't rush around. 
you're not crazy like I am. But you have your own craziness, and we'll talk about that in the next podcast. But this one is all about my craziness, hmm. which is the lack of patience in evangelizing. Right. Because what's rooted in that, if we're rushing around freaking out because we have to be the Savior, it's just there's just no trust. There's no confidence that God is at work. And yeah. I, I, I despair of that, right? Mm. Parish life is a mess, man. I mean, it is dead. It is dead in a lot of places. And sure, there's kind of seeds coming up, but we got a lot of work to do, right? Yeah, there's, I mean, that's, there's so much work to do. And there's a, there's a great harvest and laborers are few. And you, I, when I was in Mexico, I felt this. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I'm like, wow, there are some things about the church in Mexico that are so edifying. And there are other things that are so confusing. I'm like, why? Like no one is no one that I talk to in Mexico has ever heard of the theology of the body, right. and I'm you like, there's such a huge crazy. need for it. Uh, and it's when I when we talk about it with some people, it would just like you could see like a fire being lit. And yeah. like, Whoa, this is amazing! So I'm like, I want to move to Mexico and just talk about the theology of the body all the time right. because it's so there's so much work to do, you know. Uh, and there's so the, the the soil is so um, ready and rich in so many places, but nobody's planting seeds. Right. It's like, let's, what are we doing? You know? And it's not just planting seeds, the harvest, Mm -hmm. the harvest is too big for us, right? The laborers are few. That's I think part of it. And I'm not just talking about priests. I'm talking about Christians in general who are like radically living a sense of mission. Right. There's not a lot of us and there's a lot of work to be done. And it's kind of depressing if you're, uh, bent this way, if you've got this little Slavic thing where you just kind of give in (laughs) and that's why you need the virtue of patience. Uh, all right. Which is what Thomas talks about. St. Thomas. We arrive at our Saint final. Thomas Aquinas. St. Thomas Aquinas. This is question 136, the second part of the second part of the Summa Theologiae. <laughs> okay. This is to prove to everybody that we don't just read Balthazar, but we also read Thomas. Mm. This is actually good stuff. Ready? Okay. So he says. <laughs> you say it like we're surprised. Well, you, you're snoring over there. So um, when Thomas is explaining the virtue of patience, yes. it's a sub-virtue under which... Main cardinal virtue. Temperance? Bam. How'd you know that? Because I'm... I, smart. I don't know. He's so smart. The passions, man. Thomas. That's right. Now, among the passions, sorrow, one of the concupiscible appetites, right, mm-hmm. is strong to hinder the good of reason, according to Second Corinthians chapter 10. The sorrow of the world worketh death. And from Ecclesiastes. Sadness hath killeth, killeth many, and there is no profit in it. So he's saying is that from Scripture... We know that sorrow kills the soul, and it hinders reason. Right. right? It's a passion. Mm-hmm. So we have to have a virtue that protects reason and gives self-mastery over that passion. Right? Right. Hence the necessity of a virtue to safeguard the good of reason against sorrow, lest reason give way to sorrow, and this patience does. Ah, so... Patience governs sorrow. sorrow. Interesting, huh? That is beautiful. Yes. So the question is, what is Sorrow. Sorrow, it is, I don't know, it's experiencing a lack of a good, and I don't know, it's the emotion that goes with that, I don't, I'm, my brain is like on no, hold. No, that's okay, you're, you're a well-formed Thomist. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. No, so he says, and this is in the first part of the summa, he says that sorrow is actually um, a, a species of pain, as joy is of pleasure. Uh, so joy is like a sub- Appetite, so to speak, under pleasure—it's a mm-hmm. kind of pleasure. Right. Sorrow is a kind of pain. Ah, see, it's this, oh, so all pain is experiencing a lack of a good. Exactly. And sorrow is a spiritual good that you're experiencing. Yes. A lack of? And not like spiritual in the sense of your spiritual life, but non-like, non—you uh, know—not like I'm hungry and I'm exactly. sorrowful, but it's because I lack. Yeah, you know? it's 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 connected to despair as well. 
Okay, you explain it because I'm just going to confuse myself. Well, I didn't, I didn't prepare enough. You got to go and assume. I, I just looked at this for like two seconds before we started this homily. So <laughs> this is a homily. Uh, yeah, yeah. So if you would just talk for a minute, I could find it here real quick in the summa. Go ahead, say something awesome. Okay, what would you just ask me? What is sorrow? Okay, so yes, okay, it's a species of pain. Pleasure and pain are um, pleasure is when you enjoy something that is desired. Pain is when you experience the lack of what's desired or a lack of a good. Um, I know the joy is the attainment is is the passion that comes with the attainment of a good. Uh, that has been desired, and I don't know. I'm fishing for things. Okay, this is all we got for now. Uh, Father Austin <laughs> Licky, uh, the Dominican. I feel like this is my. This. I feel like this is my final for Saint John of the Cross. I know this is exactly how it was. <laughs> I just kept saying the same thing. I'm like, okay, you're not. Okay, so check this yet. out. So let's try and figure out what sorrow is. If yes. we don't understand what patience is, we got to understand what this feeling, this passion that we're experiencing in us. This is what he says. Pleasure and pain can arise from a twofold apprehension, namely from the apprehension of the exterior senses or from the interior apprehension of the intellect. Or of the imagination. Okay. So pleasure and pain, right? Pleasure and pain can happen exteriorly or interiorly. Okay. Okay. Now, the interior apprehension extends to more objects than the interior apprehension because whatever things come... Okay, so there's a lot more going on interiorly than there is exteriorly in terms of pleasure and pain. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, No. Okay, I touch a thing that's hot. Yes. And it burns my hand. Right. Pain. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. But then I think about the fact that when I asked Joe which virtue I suck at, he said right away patience, and that makes me sad for the next three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Interior apprehension of pain. Ah, uh, see. Does that make sense? Yes. Phone's ringing somewhere. Can you Your hear that? phone. Okay, thank you. Um, that you have over there. So he says, pleasure alone, which is caused by interior apprehension, is called joy. When I have pleasure in my soul, it's called joy. Right. When I have pain in my soul, interior apprehension, it's called Sorrow. sorrow. That's what sorrow is. Okay. Interior pain, basically. That so makes sense. We I have totally to have, agree with that. Oh, I totally agree <laughs> with St. Thomas Aquinas. So we have to fight sorrow. So what's important about that is if you're someone like me who's struggling with patience, then you're feeling you are experiencing as a passion. And remember, passions are – we experience them passively. They're moving on us. You're experiencing sorrow very intensely. Mm-hmm. And you're giving in to sorrow. And what you need is the virtue of patience. And what unites patience to magnanimity, he calls longevity or something like that. Long-suffering? Long-suffering, yeah. He's got a fancy word in here. Longevity or something like that. So you want to unite magnanimity and patience. You have to suffer long-term. You have to fight Hmm. the sorrow that's in your heart that says the parish life will never be fixed. The youth group will never be improved. Isaacoff will never put out a new album. These kind of things that cause us great sorrow. I feel like that's why hope is. I mean, hope. I can see why hope would be tied in with this, right? Because hope is all about uh, a knowledge through faith, knowing the future and knowing the victory of God, right? And His resurrection and our victory through Him, uh, and allowing that to permeate my experience right now and how it actually gives me. I'm kept from despair when I keep in mind that the victory is won. So nothing can really. If you, uh, the man of hope, is never really. Crushed. His spirits are never completely crushed because he always has a semblance of joy in the 
in the good that's already attained in the future. Right. That he knows. Right. I don't know if that's making any sense. But. It's good. We sh- we are foggy on our uh, Thomistic anthropology. Because it's the middle dis- of the summer. Despair is something different, but we'll talk about that another time. And for me, I, t- I haven't I haven't used my brain besides to try to learn Spanish and like. Yeah, it became mush in Mexico in the heat of Puebla. That's right. Okay, it's what do you got for us? All right, Facebook? this is a uh, actually a Facebook message I got from um, a friend of mine, Abby. Abby. Do you know Abby Delsega? No. She is um. She was a Christ in, the, uh, Christ in the City missionary okay. with our good friend Sunit. Um, and now she's in Kansas, but she listened to our podcast, that you, the one you did on Father Emil yes. Capone, however you say his name. And she says this. She says, I'm a native of Wichita, Kansas, Diocese, and wanted to send a thank you for your recent podcast on Father Capone. Capone, I think. Capone. She probably knows. But Capone. Anyway. Don't call him Capone. <laughs> My family developed a devotion to Father Emil in 2009 when my uncle had a sudden heart infection and our pastor encouraged us to pray through the intercession of Father Kipan. Um, he had a full recovery. So they, they had this experience of praying for through Father Emil and, and wow. he's from the, they're from the same town where he was. So there's like the town of... Pilsen. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, wow. devotion to him. So anyway, anyway, they had this experience. They had a devotion to Father Emil. So two years later, 2011, my brother, Nick... Who you mentioned in the podcast, we mentioned this guy, collapsed during a 5K and was in cardiac arrest for nine minutes. That was her brother? That was her brother. During this time, my cousins who were at the race knelt down and began praying for Father Capon's intercession. Capon. Capon's intercession. It was after several minutes of CPR that they stopped trying to resuscitate him and moved him into the ambulance. The EMTs told us they could feel a powerful presence at that moment, almost like electricity filling the ambulance. Nick awoke and came out of it unscathed. He has seen several heart specialists who have been very intrigued by his story and unable to detect a heart condition. He's completely healthy today. So, yeah. Whoa. We are big fans of Father, Father Capon. <laughs> nice. Yeah, isn't that wild? That's crazy. Yeah, so super cool. And she wrote more, but that was like kind of the heart of it. That so guy anyway. was... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Father Meal was such a stud. Such John Leindecker said, he said, that guy uh, makes us look like sorority girls. And uh, I think it's true. Great job, man. Well, we'll see you guys next week. And any more thoughts, suggestions, insults, comments, whatever, we will take them. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.